Tonight, I want to look at Psalm 51. David had been living with sin and unforgiven sin in his life probably for at least a year, if not longer. His adulterous relationship with Bathsheba and there's no words recorded in the Bible where he asked God to forgive him until Psalm 51 we see here. <clears throat> so uh, let's, let's look at Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sins. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sins is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide my face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from the presence of, from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with the, thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and the sinners shall be converted. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall, I, mouth shall show forth thy praise. Our Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus, the name above every name, the name to be lifted up, the name to be praised. And Father, I do ask tonight now that you would hide me behind that old blood-stained banner one more time. Father, if you're not going to join me here tonight, I don't want to stand here. And Father, I, I want you to use the Word of God to prick, prick hearts, to change lives, to save sinners, to encourage the saints. Now, Father, have your will in your way. Do something to each of us tonight so you can do something through us in the days to come. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That, uh, that outline that I started in 1976 is about 10 pages long. I was going to preach it tonight, but I didn't think you could take it. Uh, <laughs> 
It's about 47 questions I have on there with Bible scripture. And I go down that and, and ask myself these questions and read these scriptures every day because I want revival. I don't want any sin in my life. Every year I add something. I don't want, I, I, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I, I'm, not, I'm not any better than anybody else, but I want to see revival. I, I started this, and then in 1980, we had a Dr. John R. Rice was coming to preach at our church in Hawaii not too many months before he died. And we'd been running about 250 in church, and we were for praying for 525 in Sunday school. And, and uh, well, the pastor said, we need to have an all-night prayer service. And we did. The men, we preached and prayed all night. We preached, prayed, and eat. <laughs> Baptists got eaten to get together. And we did that all night. And about six o'clock in the morning, God gave the victory. I know revival can take place. But it depends upon us as an individual. I went home that Saturday morning and my wife said, do you think we're really going to have 525 in Sunday school? I said, no, I know it. I had no, 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 doubt, no doubt in my mind about it. And when the count was taken, <clears throat> we had 525 in Sunday school. But that was just a number. While Dr. Rice was preaching... We had a escaped convict come running right down the middle aisle of the church, out the side door, and the police right behind him, and attacked him out there on the grounds. We had 37 people saved. Dr. Rice never missed. He never saw that prisoner come through there. You see, when God moves in, things happen. And that's what we need is a good old-fashioned revival. <clears throat> to ever do it, there's some things that we have to do personally. Every one of us, from the youngest in here to the oldest, none are exempt. If you want revival, there's some things, and many more than I could ever cover here tonight, but some things that we must do. Number one, we must learn to be sorry for our sins. Not sorry that we get caught in them, but sorry for our sins. We, that's awareness of our sins. That's, we know they're there. And every one of us knows when we have, have, what sins we have in our life. It's not a fact that if we have it, it's what are we going to do with it when we recognize it. When we become aware that we have sin, what are we going to do about it? Well, nobody knows but me. 
No, that's wrong. God knows everything. And the first thing, when you realize you have sin in your life of any kind, and, and I mean, some of it, you, you'd say, well, preacher, you're just getting petty. Petty sins will keep you from having revival. You got to realize, uh, I, I mean, uh, the message this morning talked about loving your neighbor as yourself. How much do you care about them? Is there anyone that you hold bitterness against? Is there somebody you don't particularly like? Is there someone that uh, maybe they, they did you wrong in a deal or something and you, you never got over it? I had a man steal $40,000 worth of hand tools from me out of my shop in Chattanooga when I go into Bible school. I could hate him, but why should I? I mean, he might need them worse than I did. You see, any little thing you can think of in your life, that's the reason I have a checklist. And I go down that. I don't want anything hindering me from having revival. And I'm asking God to really work in my life. And I've been praying now for almost a month. Every day, God, please. And I'm trying to make sure that I'm ready. What do we do when we realize we've got sin? We confess them. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You say, that's so simple. No, it's not. Because we don't like to criticize ourselves we think too much of ourselves we think we think we're just a little bit better than somebody else so we're okay that's not true that's just simply not true we're not we're probably worse than most at least I am you see we must confess those sins and you, you, you need to keep short accounts with God because you never know. James 4, 14 says, For what is life? It's a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. You never know. You better keep short accounts with God. <clears throat> there must be contrition. We, we must truly hurt because we've sinned against a righteous God. Does your sin really bother you? Does it? I mean, you take the small sins that, that we all do sometimes. We, 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 we're guilty. We're driving down the road and somebody, I'm guilty. Now, I'd like to pull my nine millimeter out and shoot his tires, you know. <laughs> uh, but I have to ask God to forgive me for that because that's a wrong attitude. I mean, that, that's, that's wrong. And, and that keeps me from having revival. And a really broken heart. Uh, the last part of uh, Isaiah 57, 15 says, uh, uh, <coughs> excuse me, 
I dwell in the high and the holy places with him also that he of a contrite, humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God will revive us individually, personally, one by one. All great revivals have started with one person getting a burden. You could be that person to start the next next great revival. I could be that person. I would love to be that person that God used to start a revival. I'm not talking about some kind of spell going on where you faint in the aisles and all that. I'm talking about a Holy Ghost sent revival where God can use us. Now, personally, I think one of the reasons, and I know it is in my life, I fail to be as good a witness as I should be and an effective witness as I should be is that I, I, I let those little things go. I, I don't, I, I let them go and I, <clears throat> I don't uh, uh, spend a lot of time confessing, asking God to forgive me about those little things. I have to be careful about that as well as you do. We need to pray for a cleansing. Oh, cleanse me. David said, cleanse me with hyssop. Wash me and I should be white as snow. We do not have to sin. We do not have to let sin reign in our bodies. We choose to do it. And that breaks the fellowship between our Savior and us. It never breaks the relationship, but it does break the fellowship. When you get saved, God establishes a relationship with you. You become His sons and daughters. But when you sin, you break that fellowship that you have with a holy God. Do you realize that God has no responsibility to answer mine and your prayers when we go before the throne of grace, enter into the very holies of holies, and make our requests known when we have sin in our life. Jesus hanging there on the cross between heaven and, uh, and earth there, he's hanging there, And he became sin. God turned the lights out in the world. And for Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God is so holy that he'll not allow allow the smallest sin in his presence. And when you enter into prayer, into the holies of holies, you're standing there before a holy God making your request known. Folks, it won't work. We'll never have revival with that sin in our life. You know the biggest culprit in all of it? 
is self. We might we got to get sick of self. We got we got to uh, die to self. Doctor J. R. Faulkner used to tell us all the time. He'd say, "When you get up, when you wake up, get up. And you get up, wake up, and die to self before you put your feet on the floor. Die to self. Die to self." And I, I try to practice that, but I'm okay. I kind of like myself, you know. I, I I wash it. I even use deodorant, you know. Uh, I don't think Navy guys use it, but uh, I know <laughs> Marines do. They let us do that. Uh, uh, but but anyway, they uh, we got to die to self. We got. I love this old body. I pamper it. I feed it, I bathe it, I shave it, I keep my hair cut, I, 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 be, I, I, I wear shoes, I don't go barefoot anymore. When I went in the Marine Corps, they said you had to wear shoes. So I, I, I got some boots and started wearing them. Uh, I pamper this body. And it's hard, it's hard to say no to the flesh. We see things. We want it. We don't even think about praying and asking God if it's right. We just get it. Because we are able to do so. You see, we got to die to self if we want revival. We must... Kill that self. That's what Paul told, told the brethren there in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. Sacrifice is something you kill. <clears throat> you know, I, I think most Christians today, really, and... I've done a big study on the altar. Uh, we don't see many Christians today going. We somehow we've got this idea uh, that the 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 altars where sinners come. <coughs> altars where lost people come. No, lost people need to get saved before they can worship God at the altar. The altar is a place of worship. It's a place of talking to God and getting right and making decisions. You see, I know you can make a decision sitting in your car. And it'd be a good decision. But sometimes <clears throat> there's a decision that we need to make that we need to come to the altar, the, the house of God, and we need to do business with God and let, let God know we're serious about it. But we're not willing to do that because we don't want anyone thinking, well, I wonder what's wrong with them. Shame on you. You never feel that way about somebody coming to the altar. That's a place where Christians do business with their God. You see, when we die to self, we can do that. You don't have to come over service. Nobody's saying that. But when God deals with your heart, you need to come. 
You see, we got to die to self. Jeremiah 7, 19 says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Not just wicked. <laughs> it's desperately wicked. That's a whole bunch of meanness in it. That is a lot of hard things to get rid of. And it's, it, it is. And we have to be careful that we don't let our heart control our actions in the negative way, in the wrong way. Do you ever just get sick of self? Sometimes I stand there in the mornings and I look in the mirror and this is what I say. Oh, wretched sinner. What will you do wrong against God today? And then I pray, oh God, don't let me be a failure today for you. Help me to live for you. Help me to be a witness for you. I do it every morning. At five o'clock, thereabouts, as I stand there looking in that mirror at myself, knowing that somehow I got to defeat this flesh for the Lord. Having a wrong spirit. David said he, he was sick of having a wrong spirit. What kind of spirit do we have? You know, uh, the Bible tells us to test the spirits and see if they be of God. We need to test our spirits. We need to see if they are of God or not. One thing I've always prayed for ever since God called me to preach is I never wanted to be a castaway. I don't want God to put me on the shelf because of my sin. I've seen so many preachers get in trouble. I've seen so many Christians get in trouble over the years. And God put them on the shelf never to be used again because of sin. And I don't want God to do that to me. But I, I want to see revival. I want to see God do something. I want God to use me. I, I ask God, I say, oh God, would you do it one more time? Just one more time, Lord. Would you do it one more time? Would you help me one more time? Would you lead me just one day at a time? He will. If we ask him, 
He will forgive our sins if we ask Him. He'll cleanse us if we ask Him. Do you remember, remember the day you got saved? You remember how you felt? What's happened? What's happened? What's changed? Have you got used to your salvation? Have you become so methodical and mechanical, I should say, in your worship that you come to church out of habit and duty instead of out of love for the Lord? You see, we all can do that very easily. Well, I... Uh, I'm on staff. I, I'm the pastor of the church. You see, we, we kind of get used to it. And it should be new and afresh every day. And if it's not, probably because of sin. Most likely, it's because there's something, it may be just something real small in our life that keeps God from using us on a particular day. I notice, I, I think I've said this before, but I notice people, I watch people. I love to go shopping with my wife and find the coffee shop, I sit down while she shops and I drink coffee. And, and I watch people. You know, most people are not happy. You know, most people don't very, they very seldom ever smile. Most people, you know why? Because this world's got a hold on them. This world's got a hold on the church today. We, we, we are fortunate at Madison Baptist Church to have what we have. I can tell you from going from church to church to church that you don't know what you got unless you've been where I've been. Enjoy it. Because it's special. But we need revival. Right here. This church needs revival. Not, not the church, but the people. That's the church that I'm talking about. Each individual give an account to God for their life. Each individual coming for, before a holy God and kneeling and saying, Oh God, please forgive me. Cleanse me. Help me to live for you. Start a fire within my heart that will set me on fire for the cause of Christ. See, David lost the joy of the Lord's salvation. Do you still have your joy? 
See, when we get used to church, sometimes the joy is not there because we get into a habit of just coming and sitting and listening and going home. But there ought to be joy. There's this joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's the way it ought to be with our lives. Christians that have lost their joy are weak. And the devil knows every step. He knows our weaknesses. He's not omniscient as God is, but he does know your weakness and that's where he's going to hit you at every time you give him an opening. If we're going to have revival, we got to defeat the devil in our life. we got to defeat sin by, by making sure that daily we confess and ask God to forgive us and keep us clean. Uh, sometimes it's more than every day. Sometimes it's every hour. Sometimes it can be even more often than that. <clears throat> that print shop and that folder machine that I have uh, <clears throat> up there in Rossville, Georgia, sometimes makes me want to throw it out the door. It doesn't take much sometimes if you're not walking with the Lord. You know, if you, you, <clears throat> you're having a bad day. Any of, any of you ever have a bad day? <clears throat> I used to tell I used to tell my Marines, uh, Mama told me there'd be days like this, but she didn't tell me to come in bunches like bananas. You know, I, yeah. But what are you gonna do with a bad day? You gonna quit and give up, throw your hands up, and walk away? You gonna let the devil steal the joy of your salvation? He has. On many occasions, with many people, I dare say there's some in here that got the devil has stolen their joy because he's infiltrated their life, and they cannot bring themselves to confess their sins because they don't think they're real big ones. Surrender to service. David said he'd teach transgressors. You know what he said? I'm going to become a soul winner. I'm going to become a witness for you, Lord. You forgive me. You cleanse me. And you know what? Revival can start tonight in mine and your life. And I believe that. I've experienced it. I know. I, I, I know what it feels like. I know. I know how how it works in in my life. And I want it so bad that I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to lay down before God. When I was pastoring down in Meridian, Mississippi, I, 
I got so burdened for our church. We were having people saved every week. The year we had 360 saved, uh, and we didn't have anybody left. They all transferred. They were all in the Navy, and they shipped out six weeks after they get there. And I got so burdened, I told my wife I wasn't coming home. I was going to be in my office. Not to call me, take any phone calls. I put black plastic bags over my windows. I put uh, towels at the door. I had no light coming in that office at all. And I laid down on my belly on that floor and I said, God, I'm not giving up till you change me. I stayed there over 24 hours. Men, one, one of the men of the church, and we prayed, and we wept, and we pleaded with God. And God changed our church that night, that next weekend. We saw people saved continuously. Baptized 50 people one Sunday, Sunday before Thanksgiving. By Tuesday, they were all gone but two. They were going out to ships. But God gave me peace. And I saw it because I know I was where God wanted me to be. I wanted revival. And God brought it in my life. See, I can't have revival for you. You can't have it for me. You have to have it for yourself. I don't want to lose that joy that I have. I don't want to be weak. I want to be able to see souls saved. And one of the biggest problems we have with soul winning is, is simply that we don't have the power of God on us. I appreciate anybody that a witness to somebody else. But without the power of God, without God dealing in our personal lives, and we personally having the power of God on our life, we'll not see soul saved like we should, like every one of us will stand before God and give an account for what we do. I'm going to give an account. You're going to give an account as an individual for how many people you talk to and witness. Revival will change that. When we personally, it's a personal matter, just like it was with David, David 
was a man after God's own heart. And he had this sin in his life, but he didn't confess it. He tried to live with it. And he became miserable. He lost his joy. And there's Christians tonight that's sitting in the hearing of my voice that have lost their joy because they've let something come between them and their love for God. Church, if we're going to have revival, we must confess, forsake, and seek God and live for Him and become a witness for Him. We will never have revival until we do that. You see, we think Brother Harper's going to bring it. No, he's going to bring a series of messages. And hopefully, they'll, they'll affect all of us in some way. I challenge you when Brother Harper's preaching to count the number of verses that he uses when he's preaching. I challenge you to try to do that. He'll use 30 to 40 verses in every message and he'll quote most of them. But he won't bring revival with him. It needs to start now so we'll see sinners saved during the revival meeting. Father, we do love you tonight and thank you for your goodness. And Father, I hope I've said something that would help someone here tonight. I, I truly tried to just share my heart. And Father, we need you to move in our midst and do to us what would please you most. And oh God, please, Tonight, would you say that one that's closest to hell tonight? Would you bring revival to Madison Baptist congregation? Each individual, Father, I believe we can still see an old-fashioned heaven-sent Holy Ghost feel revival if we want to pay the price. Father, I pray there'd be some tonight that would join me and say, I want to see God use me. I want to see God do something in Madison Baptist Church and I'm going to pay the price to see it happen. Father, please, do your will in this invitation now, I pray in Jesus' name.